Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. There are several people that are here today because during the fourth quarter, they were saying a prayer, asking the Lord, Lord, if you can help the Chiefs win, I'll be at church today. So welcome, welcome um, for you that are, that are here today. But we're, we're talking about relationships. And we're talking about, God, how do I have a relationship that honors you? How do I have a relationship, a marriage that honors you, that is uh, based on your word? Um, you see, the word of God is the will of God. And so this is how you know what the will of God is. It's how you know what the will of God is for your finances, for your marriage, for your actions, for your habits, for your words. So the word of God is the will of God. And so I'm going to dive into the book of Genesis and we're going to kind of look at verse by verse a little bit about what God has to say about relationships, about creation, about boundaries. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Genesis 1. Um, I'm going to start verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So in the very beginning, God says, let us make mankind in our image. So I don't know what your theology is, but at the very, very beginning, God the Father's there, Jesus is there, and the Holy Spirit is there. They're all three there. Jesus didn't all of a sudden come into existence when he came on earth like he's, he's always been there. That's why it says, let us make mankind in our image. So verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You were created by God. God had a plan and a purpose for your life before you were ever born, and he created you. He made you. He designed you intricately. There's no one else on earth like you. No one else has the same fingerprint. There's no one like you. So, so God created them, male and female. He created them. We don't create ourselves. We don't get to decide what we are. No, God created you. He made them male and female. So you have a very special anointing on your life. You have a very special um, purpose on your life that you have been created by Almighty God. So you jump to Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God got a bunch of dirt together, and he breathes on it, and the man is formed. That's why boys are so comfortable being dirty. That they, you're like, can you go take a shower? They're like, what are you talking about? It's only been two weeks. You're like, yeah, I know. I can see the dirt in your fingernails. Like, this is how they're created. They've been created from the dust. So um, they're very comfortable in this, in this essence. So verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care of it. God took the man and then he placed him in the garden. And he says, I want you to care over this. I want you to protect it. I want you to watch it. I want you to tend it. I'm putting you over this. So God instills purpose in the heart of a man right away. 
that same purpose that God put in Adam is in every single man today. You're to tend, you're to watch, you're to care, you're to oversee your family, your business, all the things that have been entrusted to your care. You're a protector, you're a provider. You have to tend and, and make sure everything's okay. Like that same purpose that God instilled in Adam, he instills in every single man to this day. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God gives Adam purpose, but he also gives Adam boundaries. I want you to see this about God right away. He says, there are certain things I don't want you to eat from. There are certain things I don't want you to do. Now, he could have just created wonderful trees. He could have just created apple trees and peach trees. And Adam could have had apple pie and peach cobbler every rotate every other day. Like he, he could have done that. He could have only created good things. And he wouldn't have had to establish any kind of boundary. So a good question is, why did God do that? Why did he create one tree that says, I don't want you to eat from this? Why did he do that? Because God didn't want us to be robots. He wanted us to choose him. He gave us free will. I don't have to serve God, just so you know. I'm a pa- I don't have to. I choose to. I say, God, I want to serve you, but you don't, you don't have to serve God. He gave you free will. Actually, back a couple thousand years ago, one third of the angels, they said, I want to serve Satan instead of God. And they left. They left heaven. They were kicked out of heaven. So he even gave the angels free will. So he gave you free will. He gave me free will. He gives us the choice to serve him or not serve him. But when you come under the lordship of Jesus, he's going to tell me and tell you, there's certain things I don't want you to do. There's a boundary I don't want you to cross. And you're like, well, what are those things? If he says it in his word, this is his will. So all throughout the Bible, he's going to show us what to do, what not to do. You're like, well, sometimes I feel like doing that stuff. Me too. Me too. But I trust him enough and say, you're my Lord. You're my savior. I'm going to follow you because you have the absolute very best intention for me. There's been times when I have had my children and they've been in the kitchen and we started um, the stove and there's like a little flame on there and they have like waddled over there wanting to get it. And we're like, ah, no. Well, they think it looks cute. That little blue gas, you know, we're like, we don't say like, oh yeah, if you choose to go ahead and do that. <laughs> no. Um, you know, like they, they like to turn the, um, the water on in the bathtub and it would just have it keep going and keep going and keep going and it overflow. And it was no, like we turn the water off. So there's going to be things God asks you to do because he cares you and he loves you. So boundaries are established right away in the garden of Eden. It's also interesting that the creation story, God says, this is good. The heavens and the earth are good. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. There's only one thing that God says is not good. And so we'll look at it in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. This has been a pickup line men have been using for, for ever since. Hey, baby, the Lord said, <laughs> I don't know. 
says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, I like to put myself in the Bible situation. I like to think what really was happening. So I'm picturing Adam is hanging out and God creates a dog. And Adam's playing with that dog for a while. I don't know how long that is. Is it an hour? Is it a day? Is it three days? I don't know. But after a certain period of time, he's like, ah, I don't really think that's my soulmate. You know, I can't really talk to him. Um, he's great. He loves me every time. But so then, then God creates an elephant and he names it. And it's like, well, I hung out for an elephant for a while. Like I, then an eagle. And he's like, man, it's really pretty. But those talons, you see these scratches, God, like that ain't going to work to get scratched like that. So then it's a, it's a horse. It's a tiger. I don't know, but all the living animals, he actually did this. So how long did this take? I don't know. But after a while, He's like, I got through the yak and now I got through the zebra. And he looks at God and he's like, is there anything else? Is there anything else you got for me? And so God does something that he has never done before. This is verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Every other creature on heaven and earth has been created from the dust of the ground. God did something very different. He gave Adam a Tylenol PM, put him to sleep, performed the first ever surgery, took a rib out, closed it back up, went over, and he intricately designed woman. He intricately made her with his hands. He made sure that she was uniquely created, uniquely formed. And then he brings his creation back to Adam. This is verse 23. The man said, now this, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of a man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I picture it where it's like Adam, it was easy to name Eve when she came. She's walking up and he's like, whoa, man, let's call her woman. I don't, I don't, you know, he's, he's instantly. So he doesn't take him very long to be like, that's my helper. That's the one. That's who I want to spend the rest of my life with that. Yes, God, that, that is the, that is the key. That's the right one. But I also want you to see God even establishes boundaries. Even in this couple little verses, he establishes boundaries for marriage. He establishes boundaries for us. We'll read it again. Verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she's taken out of a man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. There's a name change and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. God is so smart and the word of God is so deep. That's like, whoa, 
She's called woman, but as soon as they're united physically, now God says, this is a new boundary. She's now your wife. Husband and wives are united physically because they become one flesh. And then it says, they're both naked and they felt no shame. When you do things according to the word of God, there's no shame. You're not lying. You're not hiding. You're not hoping nobody knows. It's like, there's no shame. There's freedom. There's wholeness. There's the blessing of God. So it's like, man, doing it God's way, it's always the best way. Doing things the way God ordains it is always going to end up with the best results. So we have the first marriage. And soon after that, we have the first conflict. I was betting it would happen in a car. The car is where conflicts begin. Right. That's why Lindsay and I, we drive separately to church every single Sunday. But um, this didn't happen in a car. I want you to flip over to chapter three, and I want to show you the first conflict that happens. Genesis three, one through five. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If you've ever wondered how spiritual attack comes, this is how. Did God really say, is it really important to do that? I don't think I really have to serve. I don't think I really have to forgive. I don't think I really have to. This is how it happens. I don't think it's really that important if I use bad language. I don't think it's really that important if I flirt with that person. I don't think it's really that important if I say I'm going to get water and then I get Sprite. I don't think it's really that important if it's just a little white lie. It's not really that important. It's like, this is how spiritual attack comes, where Satan tries to tell you, you don't have to do what the word of God says. You don't have to obey what the word of God says. And then slowly and slowly and slowly, there's compromise, there's compromise. And then all of a sudden, you're in the middle of sin. And you're in the middle of a really, really, really bad situation. This is exactly what happened to Eve. This is exactly what happens to us. And so the very next verse, verse six, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, what I have always pictured as a kid was Eve is kind of out in this field over here and she's by the apple tree and the serpent comes up and he starts talking to her. But like Adam is like way over out in the field. He's plowing ground. He's working. He's doing whatever. And then she has this encounter. She grabs the apple. She takes a bite. She's like, rut row. And then she goes over and finds her husband and then she gives it to him and then he eats it. I don't know if anyone else has like pictured it happening like that, but like I've always pictured that. I don't know why I've always pictured it like that. I don't have a reason. But what I just read is not what happened. That's not what happened. That's not at all what actually went down. Verse six, I'm going to read it again. 
It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Adam's there the whole time. He's just chilling. He's just sitting there. He's encountering this whole entire thing. And so there's a lot of options that he has. There's a lot of things that he could have done. God gave him the authority to rule over all the animals. He said, you're to protect, you're to care, you're to tend. You're supposed to be the overseer. He gave him that authority. So when the, when the serpent comes up, he could have just like, kind of like kicked him away. When the serpent comes up and starts talking to his wife, he could have said, no, 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 no. You talk to me. You deal with me. When the serpent presents the apple, he could have taken the apple, slammed it on the ground and said, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He could have done all that. He's right there. But he didn't do what God had called him to do. And so because he wasn't fulfilling his purpose, he put his wife in a situation that she shouldn't have had to be in. And he's being passive. He's pulling back. And now all of a sudden the result is detrimental. And because of that sin, there's difficulty with several, several, several different things. Like I'm not going to go in and get into it, but I want you to know he was there the whole time. He had options the whole time. Every time you make a choice to serve God and do the thing that God asks you to do, even when it's potentially conflict, even when it potentially doesn't feel good, even when you're afraid of what the results will be, every time you honor God and do what he asks you to do, it will be the best possible choice. And so Adam has been given authority, but he takes a step back. And then the next verse, verse nine, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman, now she's a woman, okay? The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. This is what has been happening for thousands of years. This is how the conflict goes. Not you, but first service people mostly, right? Not you. You've never done this. Well, she, she's the one that said this. And then she's like, I'm the one? You, you, you're the one that, that did da, 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 da. And then he's like, I'm the one? Do you understand that I have done da, 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 da. And then she, and it's like, this circle goes around and around and around and around and around. Adam could have said, God, I want you to forgive me. I wasn't doing what you called me to do. I put Eve in a bad situation and I'm sorry. And I'm asking you for your grace and your mercy. He could have done that. He didn't do that. But as, as men, what we have to do is that we have to do the thing that God has called us to do. If we want to have healthy relationships, we have to take a step into the role that God has put in our life. And so we have to tend, we have to care, we have to protect, we have to oversee, we have to do the things that God has asked us to do. So the number one thing that a woman needs is security. This is from Marriage on the Rock by Dr. Jimmy Evans. It's like security, security, security. 
If you want to have a godly relationship, if you want to have a healthy relationship as a husband, you have to provide security, stability, safety. She's a safe place. You're a safe place. You have to know how she's doing, what's going on, what is she feeling? How can I improve? How can I help you today? How are we? Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Women feel the most secured environment where there's a servant-hearted, sacrificial man. So we have to be men that says, unto the Lord, I'm going to serve you as unto the Lord. I'm going to honor you. God brought you into my life. You're no longer a woman. You're my wife. And so I'm going to serve you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make sure that you feel safe and that you feel secure. And if you want to know the key to a man's heart, the number one thing every single man needs is honor and respect. That's how God created them. So if you want to minister to a husband, a brother, a father, grandfather, son, friend, whatever, it's honor and it's respect. Men will gravitate towards the place they feel the most honor. They will run away from places that they feel criticism, that they feel like they're not good enough, that they feel dishonor. And so as people, we, we have to be these things. We have to create environments where we are adding honor and respect and we're adding security and stability and we're showing our children a different way. We're showing them there's a different way that we're going to train up our kids in the way that they should go. That means we are having marriages that our kids want to have one day, that we're honoring God. We're looking to him in a way to say, God, would you help me be the man I'm called to be? Would you help me be the woman that I'm called to be? And some of you are like, well, my spouse ain't nothing like Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Like there ain't nothing like, <laughs> if you have two plants and one plant never gets water and the other one always gets water, which one do you think is going to grow? The one with water. So how do you water your spouse with your words? You begin to water. Thank you. I appreciate you. How are you? Can I help you? Man, I'm so thankful for you. You just, you begin to water and water and water and water. And then you trust God to bring a harvest. You trust God to see things turn around. You trust God just to say, okay, we're dedicated to you. We're going to serve you. You trust him. And he's the one that begins to turn it. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 is the last verse of the day. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by talking bad about his creation. You were created by God. Your spouse was created by God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit water, water, water. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. God's going to help us. God is with us. Our best days are ahead. Water with the word of God, because the word of God is the will of God. Let me pray for you this morning as we close. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. There's so deep. There's so much richness in your word. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you teach us and lead us and guide us. Thank you that we can find answers for life right here in your word, that it never returns void. 
And so God, we turn our hearts to you. We say, would you help us? Help me serve you. Help me honor you. Help me be the man that I'm supposed to be. Help me be the woman that I'm supposed to be. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you never knew that Jesus wants a relationship with you. He does. He loves you. He wants to lead you and guide you. Or maybe you committed your life to God a long time ago, but you just got a little off track. I want to give you an opportunity to come back to the Lord, to dedicate yourself back to Him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up, but sitting right there in your seat, I want to pray with you. And if that's you today saying, would you pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, do something very simple. Just just slip up your hand and say, I'm coming back to God. Go ahead, go ahead. Yep, dedicate yourself to God. There you go, there you go. There you go. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. You can put your hands down. Let's have this prayer. Let's all say the prayer together. Everybody in the room, repeat after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I confess that I've sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me, to heal me, and to redeem me. Today, God, I dedicate my life fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one person that gives their life to the Lord. So we can rejoice today. We can be excited today for lives that are changed. So two things before you go. One thing is if you raised your hand, just tell somebody. We all need people in our life. Say, hey, I dedicated my life to God today. And the second thing is just keep coming back. Keep coming back to a place where you can be encouraged, strengthened, be around a group of believers that will push you closer and closer to God. So if you happen to have a child that was dedicated, we got a special plaque for them right out in the lobby that has their first name and their middle name. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Cannot wait for a great year this year. God bless you.